Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is an apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. The man without a face had a favorite target. Those who had a longing to belong. The lonely, the isolated. They were Juliets, and they were waiting for their Romeos. The man without a face supplied a steady stream of Romeos across the wall to get to Juliets and the secrets they had access to. In the world of espionage, those who have access are powerful and vulnerable. They are sought after, pursued, targeted. The double life of a spy is an ongoing operation of concealment, an overt show on the outside of one life, while the inner turmoil is hidden, covert. The cost of secrecy is the solitary self, as psychologist Ursula Wilder called it. For decades, the legendary spymaster was known only as the man without a face. He eluded ever being seen by outsiders during his time in power. But even the loneliest of spies needs to leave the shadows at some time and step into the light to show their face and who they really are. 
The lonely spy needs others to befriend and fall in love with, for love or for country, and to escape that internal loneliness that is a wall keeping others on the outside. Over the course of his 34 years, the spymaster was elusive and canny. The intelligence he gathered for communist East Germany was the stuff of spy novels. It was rumored, though denied, that he was the inspiration for the fictional character Carla in the late Jean Le Carré's novels. The man without a face had a real name that sounds fake, like something straight out of a spy movie. Marcus Wolf. Marcus Wolf was the head of the Ministry of State Security, or Stasi, and he specialized in a type of spying, tradecraft, known as the Romeo Method. Young, handsome agents from East Germany were sent to instare women who lived in Bonn, the West German capital during the Cold War. Their job, romance, lonely secretaries who worked for bosses who worked on confidential files. Because of the Second World War, women of marriageable age were, in increasing numbers, taking positions in government offices, private businesses, the military, and intelligence service agencies. There were more women in the workplace because there were fewer men able to work. The destructive nature of war had destroyed a generation of men in their 20s, 30s, and early 40s. Single lonely women in West Germany were targets of the net cast by East German Romeos. The first step, arrange an accidental meeting. The second, charm their way into the hearts of these women. Then the trap was set. It's called honey traps. For centuries, spy masters have sent agents into enemy territories to obtain secrets from their enemies using love, lies, and loneliness as a lure to a life of deception. In a paper for the Brookings Institute, CIA psychologist Ursula Wilder wrote that the double lies required of intelligence agents leads them to feeling detached and separated from other people. The psychological burdens of detachment and loneliness are acute while the agents are deployed and living their covers among their targets, she wrote. One agent who was particularly self-aware described the situation as a form of solitary confinement. The prison cell was his own skull, according to Wilder. Psychiatrist David Charney has worked with four former spies as a therapist and counselor. In human affairs, in espionage, loneliness always plays some role in the decisions made to become a spy. Well, first of all, loneliness in my professional experience is an underappreciated source of pain and discomfort for people that is never ranked as high as the usual things like depression and anxiety. But at least from what I've seen, it really is right up there equal to those big other conditions that cause people to 
really suffer. By targeting secretaries in West Germany who weren't in satisfying relationships, East German spymaster Marcus Wolf was using the personalities, the inner lives of these women, to find their vulnerabilities. Their strong suit is to be able to be excellent workers. Well, that's a prime candidate for somebody who is, by definition, after she leaves her job every day, she's lonely. Wolf dispatched his agents to places like Paris, where many of the West German secretaries were also sent to learn French. The Romeos would bump into their Juliets, and the flow of information began. Romeo is the East, and Juliet is the spy. Modern espionage as we know it today is a holdover from the Cold War. Dr. Charney says the East Germans learned their techniques from the KGB, and the Russians today are master spies. Historically, they were efficient, ruthless, clever, and very experienced because it goes back to even uh, intelligence practices that uh, were developed during the time of the czars. After the Russian Revolution, the USSR recognized the need to have a successful, aggressive intelligence service. And they began recruiting people from the West, usually students who were in school and studying careers that might lead them into public service. The most famous example was the Cambridge Five from Britain. They were Donald McLean, Guy Burgess, Kim Philby, and Anthony Blunt, and John Cairncross. And all of them were students at Cambridge University in the 1930s. It was there that they were recruited to spy against the West by the Soviet intelligence service. Four of the men, McLean, Burgess, Philby, and Cairncross, all ended up working in high levels of the British government. Anthony Blunt was the surveyor of the Queen's picture. He worked in the Royal Collection Department in the Royal Household. For the CIA, recruits came from Ivy League universities like Yale, a tradition that went all the way back to Nathan Hale, who was recruited by General George Washington to spy on the British forces during the American Revolution. When asked if he had any final words before he was hanged after getting caught by the British, Hale was credited with saying this, I regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Today, there's a statue of the spy at the headquarters of the Central Intelligence Agency in Langley, Virginia. The reasons why people get drawn into becoming a spy is complex. There are factors which have remained the same over time. Some are motivated by deep convictions, politics. Professor Arnie Kozlenko specializes in the history of espionage and terrorism at Ryerson University. Different time periods led people into espionage for various reasons, and why some agents became counter-agents or spies were rooted in places and time. Soviet Russia, 
Nazi Germany, occupation in France, the Cold War. Some are motivated by deep convictions, you know, about politics, uh, not a particular party necessarily or, or cause, but about a, you know, a variety. So a lot of people today in, in the communities believe fundamentally in democratic values that Canada adheres to and like-minded countries adheres to uh, in the same way that, that people who serve other countries are, are in firm belief of everything that their countries or societies stand for. Before becoming an academic, Professor Kislenko was a senior officer for Canadian immigration and worked on international security cases that involved intelligence agencies in Canada and foreign ones. Now, as a professor, he feels questions from students wanting to go into the intelligence field. By doing that, I try to, to show them that a lot of people, you know, the vast majority who work inside intelligence communities, certainly here in Canada and in other countries, are, you know, about as regular and, and quote-unquote normal as it as it comes. There's this tendency to imagine that, that people in those communities have somehow, you know, done something extraordinarily different or, or you know, been created or something in a lab, um, when in fact they're, they're really just, you know, they're, they're a, a snapshot. Uh, of everyday people. Former CIA agent Tracy Walder signed up to join the agency when she was still in university and believes that being lonely played a role in her desire to become part of the intelligence world. I think you have to have a comfort level in being an introverted extrovert, I guess. Um, The idea of that you get your energy um, from being alone and having that time to sort of refresh, I guess. But, you know, on the other hand, um, sometimes it can be difficult because in a way, some of the things that you're doing and the reason you can't tell people about them are, you know, you have to lie about it. So that can make loneliness a little uncomfortable and a little insincere. Tracy Walder was taking Middle Eastern history classes in her studies in California, when she first learned the name Osama bin Laden. It was 1997, and she was studying to be a teacher at her California university. She passed by a recruitment table run by the CIA. They were looking for intelligence officers who were studying history and English and had an interest in other cultures. She thought a few years at the CIA would make her a better teacher. Her image of the CIA was that it was a bunch of older white men who were only looking at Russia, and her parents went with her to move to Washington, D.C. after she accepted the CIA's offer. I was 21, and I had never lived um, outside of the state of California, and I remember the sense of loneliness that I felt, actually, when my parents um, got on that plane at Reagan National Airport. It was just sort of overwhelming. Leaving home for the first time, leaving everything she knew for a new life where she had no emotional support. Tracy Walder's first days in training with the CIA was being in a room with other new recruits. In a strange way, it's like dating, almost. I remember sitting at my table, um, because you had little tables that you sat at when you entered at the agency, and we all exchanged phone numbers with each other. Um, And then it was sort of mustering up the courage to call that person. 
being agents in training that move from being alone and on their own to connecting with others brought unique question marks. How do new agents training for a career in intelligence and espionage connect with each other? How do spies make friends with other spies? What if that person doesn't want to be your friend? <laughs> um, or what if that person is not pleased, you know, that you called them? Or, you know, it's just sort of that second-guessing stuff. Second-guessing is healthy for secret agents, as is being on their own. Tracy Walder was bullied as a child, and that gave her a deep sense of wanting always to stand up for what is right. It also made her comfortable with being on her own. The first time she was sent on an overseas mission, she packed her flip-flops and her jeans. She was alone in a foreign country by herself and had to figure out how to fit in and how to also be always on watch. So I think all of us, to a certain extent, have to be comfortable with the idea of almost being an island, right? Which I think that idea is sometimes associated with loneliness. I don't know for certain, but I think that it might be. And so I think we all had to be comfortable with that idea, but we all also had to be comfortable with reaching out to people that we didn't know necessarily. And that can be very lonely in and of itself because you don't have any support. And we'll be right back. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mm-hmm. 
In the Netflix series The Spy, Sasha Baron Cohen stars as Ellie Cohen, the Egyptian-born Israeli spy recruited by Mossad to infiltrate into Syria. Ellie Cohen is sent to set up a new life for himself in Damascus as a rich businessman. The series is based on a real character. Ellie Cohen has to leave behind his wife Nadia and his children to be completely another person with an elaborate past so detailed and complex that he could cite the burial site number of his fake parents. It is a lonely existence, and Ellie Cohen in his apartment by himself writes letters to his wife. Letters he can never send, even on his own, he doesn't use her name, just in case. Dearest N, he writes, and tells her that he sees her face everywhere. He hears her laughter, but when he turns, she is not there. When his handler finds the letters he wrote, she demands to know who he's writing to. When Cohen tells her it's his wife and he only writes to put down his thoughts to alleviate his loneliness, the handler tells him he has no wife. There is no Ellie, the handler says. The man he's supposed to be, a businessman named Kamel, is not married. It just sometimes helps me feel a bit less lonely, the spy tells his handler. Camel doesn't get lonely, his handler reminds him, before taking the letters and destroying them in the fireplace. Even a spy's loneliness has to be hidden. Spy fiction and intelligence work are connected and influenced by each other. Guess what is fiction and what is fact? In order to take down one of the world's most wanted terrorists, a rival intelligence service tries to brainwash an operative, create a false identity for him, and sends him out to become an assassin. It's the Manchurian Candidate and a real plot by Mossad to try and assassinate PLO leader Yasser Arafat. The movie came out first. A secret agent peels off his wetsuit. He's wearing a tuxedo underneath. Dutch agent Pete Tazelaar did just that in order to infiltrate by sea a beachside hotel and headquarters for Nazi officers at a raucous party. James Bond pulled off the same stunt two decades later in the opening scene for Goldfinger. Those examples, cited in Matt Bellamy's doctoral dissertation at the University of Michigan, highlights spy culture and the making of the modern intelligence agency. Our understanding of spies and what they do often comes from these fictional portrayals that have blended what was purely contrived to what may have been real. Both Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond, and John le Carré, the author of The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, came from backgrounds in espionage. Spies are, as John le Carré once said, born to lying, bred to it, trained to it by an industry that lies for a living. That training and the construct of the life of a spy that was popularized in fictional accounts of the lonely, isolated man were hugely popular in the 50s and 60s. The loneliness in cultural descriptions of spies uh, was the way that the spy in 20th century fiction has reflected 
a kind of changing notion of masculinity. It was not only the Cold War era. It was the time of big corporations, faceless workers, and getting lost in bureaucracy. Spy fiction thrived, but so too did portrayals of a rising middle class of white-collar workers. Matt Bellamy says the connection fans had to spy novels are based on escapism from reality. The protagonist battles communists and tyrants, and the spy can do things that workers in their mundane lives working in corporations cannot. These fictional heroes, James Bond, George Smiley, like many of their fans, were outcasts and alone within a bungling, massive corporation. Bond is perhaps a, a, a fantasy of, of that class of people, right? And he also feels resentment towards the large bureaucracy he's in, but he also gets to have these uh, amazing adventures to break himself out of that rut, uh, thus the kind of wish fulfillment aspect um, that propelled James Bond into being one of the most uh, popular fictional creations of the 20th century. The thrill of espionage and thumbing the old symbols of imperial authority are recasts for the lonely and unfulfilled reader. The connection to these isolated and solitary spies make them outsiders who can view their life work with a skeptical and cynical eye, but still keep their license to kill. When you chafe from being a cog in a bureaucratic machine, it helps to see others, even a character in a spy novel, dismantle institutions. The white-collar man can actually accomplish some real goals, save the world, save their country, and thwart evil. Many main characters of spy fiction are lonely, and, and they're, they don't trust their organizations. They obviously can't trust the rival organization. They can't really trust the people in their lives. They can't go around and share who they really are because it's a security threat. It makes you insular and paranoid and lonely. There is a cynical, world-weary, paranoid, and lonely spy in all of us sometimes. Can we trust people around us? Who has ulterior motives? Former CIA agent Tracy Walder says it helps, even if circumstances forces you to shield your true self, to find ways to express how you feel. Don't live inside your head. One of the things that always helped me, especially when I was, I guess, maybe not lonely by choice, um, you know, and as in the thick of being bullied, um, was journaling. That helped me a lot to get uh, my feelings out because I had no other way to sort of express those feelings. You don't have to be a secret agent to grapple with questions about identity and your place in the world, says psychiatrist David Charney, who has worked with spies in his practice. Every human being has to contend with questions about who am I? What's my standing in the world? What can I aim to be? How um, intelligent am I? A, a thousand questions about identity and, and, and your place in the world. Now, a lonely per person is going to have some uh, unhappy answers because they think they are exclusively the losers of the, of the world. 
The lessons learned from fictional spies is don't be like them, says Matt Bellamy, who researched the cultural perception of secret agents. Um, don't be so, uh, so intent on keeping yourself closed off from the world that you end up like uh, Alec Lemus in Tinker Tailor era in The Spy Came In From The Cold, a drunk, miserable, uh, you know, isolated... In real life, spies have to make decisions and live with the consequences, as they do in novels from Ian Fleming or John le Carré. Real-life spies often express their regrets about the toll that loneliness took on them. In 1984, the Berlin Wall was still up when American soldier Jeffrey Carney, alienated and lonely, tried to defect to East Germany. He was sent back and ordered by the East Germans to spy on his own country. In his autobiography called Against All Enemies, he wrote that the apartment he was eventually given to live in was bugged. I was often lonely, but I was never alone, he wrote. He wasn't the only one to live with regrets. Another real person who lived to tell his story of repentance was the spymaster of East Germany. Marcus Wolf. He wrote in his book after the reunification of Germany that he wished he hadn't used Romeos to seduce lonely Juliets. Over four decades, 40 women were prosecuted for committing espionage. The ends did not always justify the means, the man without a face wrote. But as long as there is espionage, there will be Romeos seducing unsuspecting Juliets with access to secrets. He had to do it, Wolf claimed. He was running a spy agency, not a lonely hearts club. The spy trope is to be unhappy and to keep yourself aloof and alone. These fictional characters and real ones are not supposed to fit in an easy box they're supposed to be able to move back and forth through various identity categories, depending on whatever context they find themselves in. That's ultimately a lonely position. But spies have to live inside their heads. The rest of us do not. We can share and reveal who we really are. We can voice out loud what we think, so we don't have regrets about the secrets that we keep inside us. The Berlin Wall separated East from West for decades, yet it is our own wall of loneliness that keeps us from connecting to others. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Our sound engineer is Jeff Devine. Supervising producers for the show are Debbie O'Reilly and Guillermo Serrano. My name is Peg Fong. I'm the host and writer of the show. Or am I? Maybe that's just another identity. Whether you're walking or driving or cooking. If you have 30 minutes, download our episodes. This series is executive produced by that international man of mystery, Terry O'Reilly.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.